Conflict is unavoidable when two or more people gather for ongoing interaction. Agreeing on everything is not possible, nor should it be demanded. In fact, one of the beauties about being different is that we bring different perspectives to the party. That's one of the wonderful things. In fact, I talk about this in in marriage counseling and when I interact with couples who are trying to work through conflict resolution, that one of the wonderful things about marriage is that husbands and wives are different, and that means that they have different strengths and different weaknesses. And because of that, two truly uh, makes a unified one that makes them better than they could be by themselves. But this also happens in any relational context where two or more people are gathered. It's called brainstorming. It's a focus group. It's where people can gather and work through issues and progress forward for the glory of God, the fame of Christ, the benefit of each other. But unfortunately, we also live in a fallen world. And because of that, as fallen people, there will be conflict. And that's why I said conflict is unavoidable when two or more people gather for ongoing interaction. So there is a definite upside, but there is also a downside. Knowing how to work through relational conflict is vital. And that's what I want to talk about in this episode. Welcome to Life Over Coffee podcast. This is episode 316. The title of this episode is A Visual Mind Map Walking Through Church Conflict. Now, you can make this application to any relational context, but I'm speaking specifically because I was asked specifically about church conflict. In fact, over the past two weeks, I've had two different people ask me about church conflict and working through it. And so I developed a mind map. It is a basic schematic that will help you to visually diagnose the different aspects of conflict. And hopefully, you can come to that wonderful place of unity within the local church. And that is the goal, whether we're talking about marriage here, which you can apply this mind map to, or a church situation, or a work, or school, or sports activity, or any other type of gathering. The ultimate goal is unity, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes there are complicating factors. And so I want to walk through that in this mind map. And I'm doing something that I've never done before. I am recording this mind map as I am doing this podcast. And so when all this is done, if all this goes well, you will be able to go to episode 316 and you will be able to download the mind map that I'm walking through right now. You'll also be able to look at the video that I'm recording right now. And so you'll have this podcast, you'll have the show notes, you'll have the mind map, and then you will have a 30-minute video that walks through the mind map. Again, this is episode 316, a visual mind map walking through church conflict. Now, I also have uh, probably, it looks like about 10 or more articles that are linked here as well. And so th- this one episode, episode 316 in our Life Over Coffee series, it will give you a ton of resources. And so if you're going through any kind of relational content, uh, conflict, 
at church, at home, at work, at on the field, at sports, wherever it may be. I would encourage you to take a look at the mind map, watch the video, and check out some of these articles that I have linked here. I trust these articles, the mind map, the video, that it will provide you with a roadmap on how to work through the inevitable conflict that does happen in all of our churches and in all of our relationships. As always, if you have any questions that you want to ask me and our team, well then please go to our community forums. We have free forums for those who aren't financial partners. We love you and we want you to come and take advantage of these free forums that are underwritten by those who support this ministry. As I was telling Dwayne this week on one of the forums, uh, he does a lot of work inside the prison as an employee, not as a incarcerated person. Uh, but he said that I want to support this ministry because you're doing a good work. He also said that you have so many free resources that keep me busy. I really don't have any need as far as supporting for me personally because there's so much free stuff that you have out there, but I want to help you and help your team because you are producing a lot and it is a good work for God's kingdom. And so I really appreciated that testimony from from Dwayne. Now, of course, Dwayne was speaking on our private forums, and we do have a private forum for those who underwrite the ministry. But the point is, the main point is, I want you to talk to us and and the way and the place that you do that is by going to one of our two forums, either the free community forum or the private forum. All right, let me get into this, episode 316, a visual mind map walking through church conflict. And so I'm going to make a slight transition in this podcast, and I'm going to talk to you like you are watching the video. And so I'm going to focus on the mind map, and I'm going to walk you through each. I start, I'm going to build it out, but I've already built it out. I'm just going to walk through the various steps. And so as you look at it here, you see the entire mind map, and the title of it is Church Leadership and Member Conflict. Now, what I want to do is I'm going to highlight, let's say that the leadership has made a decision. There's been some kind of decision that was made by the leadership. And we have two possibilities here. We can call it a a good decision or we can call it a, a bad decision. One of those two things, I mean, those are your two options, right? It's either going to be a good decision and everybody is is happy or it's going to be a bad decision and, and, and there are people who are disgruntled. Of course, it could be a, a good decision and people are disgruntled because the truth is it's not remotely possible to make everybody happy, even when it is a good decision. And so I want to go through, uh, go through or go down both of those paths. First, I want to talk about leadership making a good decision and then walk down that path. And then I want to talk about leadership making a bad decision, and then I will walk down that path. Now, let's say for the sake of argument that the decision that the leaders have made here is a good decision. And so other people have affirmed it as a good decision. And so we will work from that perspective. All right, so your leader or your leadership team, they've made a a good decision. And now we have a couple of options after the good decision is made. One, a church member 
agrees with it, and the other option is a church member disagrees with a generally affirmed good decision. Now, if they if the member agrees with the decision that's made, then there is unity, and there's really nothing else to do. That is the shortest distance between two points, or basically four things that just happened. The leader made a decision. It was a good decision. Members agree, and there's unity. That is the, that, that's the fewest links that you can put in this chain. But as we know, we, again, as I said, we live in a fallen world, and so things don't always work out that way. And so let's go back. Leader makes a good decision, but a member disagrees. And again, it's affirmed as a good decision. And so a, a, a church member or several, they disagree with the decision that was made. If they disagree, there is a potential that the church member will start grumbling or complaining or gossiping. The code word here is sin. The church member is disagreeing, and now they are sinning through grumbling, complaining, and gossiping, and that ha- that does happen. Now, if it does happen, one of the things that you do want to consider is that you want to overlook it if you can. If you can overlook it, that would be the best option, and sometimes you can do that. Then you may ask, why would you overlook? Well, it would be like in marriage, or it would be like in parenting. It would be very similar to that. You really have to uh, factor in what what is your ultimate goal uh, with your spouse, with your child, with your church member, if you are a leader and you're potentially thinking about overlooking something. Well, the ultimate goal is for them to be Christ-like, as it is for you, uh, for us to continue to be evolving into the person and work of Jesus Christ. And sometimes in some situations, it's not wise to, so in parenting, I talk about it as nickeling and diming your child, always pointing out what they do wrong. There are some things that you can legitimately overlook because you have a goal in mind, and it's just not helpful at this point in this child's life to bring that up. So you so you overlook it, and that is a that can be a wise strategy in your parenting of the child. Now, one of the ways that you can determine if you're going to overlook something that happened that the child did is that you're looking at the trajectory of the child, or you're looking at the trajectory of this church member. Is this church member, do they have a, a good heart and they have a, a pattern of being faithful and uh, being submissive and being humble and being teachable? They have a pattern of being for the church, helping the church, uh, rallying together, and just have a general pattern of unity. Or if it's a parenting situation, you can look at a child and you can see the trajectory of this child. He is pointed in a generally good direction. And if that child is pointed in a generally good direction, well, that may be your cue just to overlook it at this point because he or she's heading in a good direction. Now, if they if their trajectory is heading downward, 
Like they're just, it's just one thing after another. And you would characterize them as not in the habit of making good decisions or being on board with the general direction of the family or a church member, the general direction of the church, that this person is a, a systemic gossiper or a complainer or a grumbler. Now, if that's the case, then you're not going to be able to overlook it. Because what you can't, what can't happen is that the person can't be divisive. And so you can overlook it, but it can't be divisive. Now, if a person's general trajectory is positive and for the church and general unity, then they're probably not going to be divisive. They're just frustrated over this one situation, and, and this, this is going to pass, and it's going to pass soon. However, if this church member is continues to grumble, complain, and gossip, and they have a general trajectory that tends to lean in that direction, then you're going to have to confront the disagreeable church member. You really don't have any choice because there can't be a hairline fracture, a hairline crack in the body of Christ. If a, a child is generally disruptive, that they're trajectory is disruptiveness and and causing difficulty, then you can't overlook that because it will divide the entire family and it will create factions in the church. Remember, the goal is unity. And so what we have here is the leadership makes a decision. It's a good decision. Members agree there's unity. That's the shortest distance. But then you have a member who disagrees and they grumble, complain, and gossip. Perhaps you overlook it, and the goal is, or, or what you can't have is the ongoing divisiveness in the church, and if there is, then you have to confront the disagreeable church member. Now, I have an article here titled, How to Help a Person Get Right with God. Basically, it is a template on church discipline, church restoration, and I would encourage you to read this article and listen to that podcast, because if you get to the place of where you have to confront a disagreeable church member well, then that template, this article, How to Help a Person Get Right with God, and again, it's linked here in these show notes of episode 316. Read that, listen to the podcast, because it will help you at this point of confrontation. All right, so I've been talking about a leadership decision, and it's been a good decision. Now, let's take the adverse opportunity that we have. It's a bad decision. And for the sake of this podcast and the video that I'm doing here, do others affirm it's a bad decision? And we're going to say that others do affirm. Leaders have made a decision, and it's a bad decision. Now, once that happens, you have three considerations that you want to think about before you go any farther. Uh, one is the bad decision. Is it pertaining to the gospel? And I'll talk about that in a moment. And two is the bad decision talking about doctrine. And then number three is the bad decision talking about secondary issues. You see, when a church leader or leadership make a bad decision, you'll find it typically falling in one of these three categories, gospel, doctrine, a secondary issue. And so let's take gospel first. It's a bad decision, and it has everything to do with the gospel. Now, I am 
talking about the gospel here in a tight sense of Galatians 1, where legalism, where we're adding to the gospel, where not it's not by grace you are saved, and that would be a corruption of the gospel. And so I'm talking about the gospel in, in that sense. And if a leader makes a decision where they are taking the church out of line with the gospel, as Paul talked about in Galatians, being in line with the gospel. If the leadership is taking the church out of line with the gospel, then you want to confront the leader. You have to confront the leader. In fact, you would use the same template that I have here, how to help a person get right with God, this church discipline article that I mentioned earlier. You confront the leader, and the goal is unity, and you hope that it will not be church discipline, but it will be church restoration, and the leader will get back in line with the gospel. And so that's if they're corrupting, adulterating the gospel. The second area here is doctrine. Now, in doctrine, uh, that breaks off into two different categories. It can be a primary doctrine, like justification, for example, and I realize that if they're corrupting justification, they're probably corrupting the gospel, but there are some doctrines that you really don't want to, you don't want to mess up, okay? You don't want to adulterate doctrines where they do believe, for by grace you are saved, and there's an element of where justification can be corrupted as a doctrine, but not corrupting the gospel, in the sense that in some churches, like a legalistic church, they will believe theologically, for by grace are you saved and not by works, as we see what Paul's saying in Ephesians 2. However, functionally, practically, they will have sanctification in front of justification, meaning my works keep me justified, my works keep me right with God. And so they will talk out of both sides of their mouths. Theologically, they have a pure gospel, but functionally, practically, because of their legalism, they will swap justification and sanctification around where sanctification leads to justification rather than your sanctification flowing out of, out of justification. And so in this second category of doctrine, they can be out of line on some primary doctrines but still be right with the gospel. And if they are uh, wrong on primary doctrines, then you want to confront the leader. I mean, if it's truly affirmed that, that this is a doctrine that is generally agreed upon by, by most people within uh, evangelicalism, for example, and the leader is swerving off of these doctrines, then you want to confront. You want to confront the leader. Now, another illustration of this would be uh, Wayne Grudem's uh, perspective on 1 Corinthians 7, where he gives, uh, he has created a third category for divorce. And in that situation, in my view, he needs to be confronted because his argument for that is weak, and those who follow that argument is weak too. And so that would be an area where a person, in my view, is isogenically reading into Scripture and creating a a pathway to divorce, which is which you can't come to in that verse in seven fifteen, which which he does. And so in that instance, I. 
I trust that people have confronted him, and I wish that he would change his perspective. But if it's in the local church, if if he were a pastor in my local church, uh, I would have a significant problem with that, and I would be confronting him on that issue just to give you an illustration. And so the leader has made a bad decision. If it's the gospel, boom, you got to confront. You cannot mess with the gospel. Paul was very adamant and strong. He used strong language in Galatians 1. If it is a doctrine, like a primary doctrine, as I have been describing, you also want to confront the leader as well. And then, of course, the goal is unity. But then you have secondary doctrines, like the gifts of the Spirit. Now, here we want to be we want to have latitude and liberty with people. And I'm using as an illustration gifts of the Spirit. Uh, for example, uh, speaking in tongues. There are good people who believe, who are continuationists, basically. They believe in the continuationists of uh, the, the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, I would be one of those people. I am a continuationist. And then there are other people who would be cessationists. And you can get on either side of the center line, and you will find wonderful, solid theologians on on both sides of that center line. And in those situations, you you just want to overlook that because, again, you're pursuing unity. And I've had this conversation with at when I did pastor where people uh, had a high view of secondary doctrine, secondary teachings. The word doctrine means teaching, by the way, but secondary teachings. And they wanted to make them primary to the point to where the accent mark was no longer on the gospel, but the accent mark were on these secondary issues. Now, that's, that will be divisive. And in some of those instances, you can't overlook that. Uh, you just can't overlook it because you will have to confront. And that's my second or my third point here. And so my first point on bad decision was the gospel, confront it. Doctrine, I divided into two areas, primary and secondary. And then the third issue are secondary issues. And this gets into, can we overlook it? If you can overlook it, then you're going to have unity. You're just going to have unity if you can overlook secondary issues. Now, secondary issues here, I'm not talking about secondary issues as far as doctrine. I'm talking about secondary issues that don't fall under the the uh, heading of, of doctrine, like drums, for example, or women wearing pants, or the type of music that you play, or the 10 million other things that are secondary issues that aren't doctrine. The Bible doesn't teach at all, but there are things that we can get, really get riled up over. And under secondary issues, uh, the church the church is going... Uh, from a, a conservative traditional service to a contemporary service, and church people believe that's a bad decision. That's really a secondary issue. And it would be better if the church folks just overlooked that and they pursued unity on secondary issues that aren't doctrine. But let's say that the member disagrees and they are not, you don't, you don't agree with what the leadership is doing. You don't agree that we should go to a contemporary service over a traditional service. You can't overlook it. You disagree. And then in that case, what you want to do, what you have to do is you have to discuss that with the leader. 
You go to the leadership. You don't go sideways and start talking to other people. You don't go to people that you can influence who who may be below you in the sense that you have some kind of some kind of influence over them. You don't go to them. You go to the leaders and you talk to the leader or the leaders about something that you can't overlook and it's a secondary issue. And you have three options at that point. You can agree to disagree. You can change your view. Or if it's really a conscience issue where you disagree, then you have a choice that you have to make. And so let's take a look at all three of those. If you agree to disagree, then, well, we're talking about unity here. Uh, Perhaps you can change your view. And if you change your view, then you will agree. And, of course, that will lead to unity as well. But perhaps you can't agree to disagree. Perhaps you're not going to change your view. Then it's a conscience issue for you. And if it's a conscious issue, then you need to think about maybe you need to leave. Because if, you, if you're attending this local body and your conscience is pinging you every time you walk in the door, you're probably going to start sinning in some way because it's, it's at that level. Even though it's a secondary issue, but it's at that level for you, you can't change your view. You can't agree to disagree. You may have to consider leaving so that the church can can have unity. And so what we have here is a the title of this podcast, episode 316, a visual mind map walking through church conflict. I just walked through a leadership decision, a good decision affirmed by most everyone, a bad decision affirmed by most everyone. The good decision is pretty easy. I mean, if the church people disagree on a good decision and they're sinning about it, you can uh, you you'll probably have to confront it. If it's a bad decision, you have to break it out into what kind of bad decision. Is it a gospel bad decision, a doctrinal bad decision? And then if it's doctrinal, is it primary doctrine or secondary doctrine? And then the third area is secondary issues. Is it a secondary issue that's not on the level of doctrine? The member should be able to overlook it. If the member can't overlook it and disagrees, then they discuss that with the leader. After you discuss it with the leader, you agree to disagree or you change your view, or if it's a conscious issue, then you have a bigger decision that you have to make. I am walking through this mind map. I'm looking at it right now, and you're welcome to watch the video in this talk through that I have just done. Now, I want to bring up uh, two more issues, and they're really identical. One talks about the leader, and the other one talks about the member. And so, if it's, a, if it's a leader who has made a decision, that leader should be characterized by humility. And so if humility is characterizing the leader and there's a problem in the church, the first thing that the leader wants to do, if, he, if he's done wrong, if he's done wrong, he wants to confess anything that he has done wrong. And if that leader confesses anything, if he has, I'm not saying he has, but if he has, he needs to confess that and that will create unity. The leader also wants to overlook as much as he can. If he can do that, that will also create unity. But then there are times when the leader will have to confront the church member because there's no other way. Uh, He didn't do anything wrong. He can't overlook it. He has to confront. As he does this, he will follow the Matthew 18 template, and hopefully that will lead to restoration and lead to unity. But before you confess anything you did wrong, before you overlook anything, before you confront a church member, there has to be a prerequisite. The prerequisite has to be humility. And if humility is the foundation, then you will confess anything you've done wrong. 
you can possibly overlook whatever is, whatever has happened. And if you do confront the church member, you will do so in all humility. Now, what I just laid out for you for the leader applies to the membership as well. The member must be characterized by humility. That has to be the foundation. And then what flows out of humility are the same three things. The church member will confess anything that he did wrong. The church member will overlook as much as he can. And then there may be a situation where the church member will have to confront the leader And if the church member does, he will follow Matthew 18. What you're looking at here is a mind map. The title of the mind map is Church Leadership and Member Conflict. I trust that you will benefit from this video. Also go to episode 316 and look for the mind map. You can download the the image of the mind map, use this video, use these show notes as well with all the linked articles in it. If you do that, it will give you a huge resource that will help you to walk through the things that I have been describing here in this video visually. And as always, if you have any questions that you want to talk to us about, all you have to do is come to our ministry and let us know what those questions are, and we would love to serve you. Maybe uh, you have a question on something else that has nothing to do with conflict, but it's another issue that you want to work through. That's what we do. And again, it would be our privilege to serve you that way. Do let me make a final appeal that if you benefit from Life Over Coffee podcast, we have moved all of our podcasts over. I'm no longer doing Your Daily Drive. I'm only doing Life Over Coffee. And so all of our podcasts are going into the same box. And so if you haven't written a review for Life Over Coffee, would you go on the platform that you listen to this podcast and would you write a review that would be so helpful it will help us to reach more people with the gospel you have been listening to life over coffee with rick thomas if you have a question for rick you can let him know by sending him a note through his website rickthomas.net that's rickthomas.net thanks for listening enjoy your coffee